Red ej och jord och hav. För djävulen skickar odjuret med vrede. Ty han vet att tiden är knapp. Låt den som haver förstånd räkna ut odjurets tal. Ty det är ett människans tal. Och dess tal är 666. Where no one knows what's going on. It's just like Maiden, uh, with, with totally anachronistic and uh, all over the place, which I like. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, <laughs> we did it with Metallica, and we can do it again. And so far, I'm uh, really enjoying it. It's so, so much fun for me to be in, in Maiden land, really. <laughs> and Maiden is a band that is always a bit nostalgic, always looking back. Bruce Dickinson was raised by his grandparents because his parents were so young. So he's basically of an even older generation than Boomer. Uh, whatever oh, the yeah. one previous to Boomer is called. Uh, generation Z or what is it? I don't, the I greatest don't generation, I think they call them sometimes because they fought in uh, World War Two. Yeah. Uh, they were really like standing up, for, at least in America or like England, they're really standing up for the world. You know? Yeah. And then the baby uh, boomers and, were uh, born after the war. Exactly. And Bruce and Steve are born in late 50s and my dad is born in early 50s. Yours is, yours is late 40s? Mid or 40s. 50s? Mid 40s. Mid 40s, yeah. So our parents are older than, than Steve and, and Bruce by many yeah. years. But uh, Steve and Bruce feel like they're from a, an older generation, you know, an mm. older kin, so to speak. Like yeah. our, our fathers feel more like uh, slightly more modern. Uh, I mean, I'm on a whim here, but... Uh, that, that's kind of how I perceive them, like this very old school, mm. you know, playing with these uh, model trains and, you know, Bruce definitely played with uh, with a lot of uh, aircraft uh, figurines as he was a kid, you know. And uh, yeah, uh, long story around this, but it's just the point is very simple. The point is that they're making these lyrics not to pose. There's no posing in Fear of the Dark. Mm. It's an honest way. And then we have the third. Uh, the, the, the third stage of Steve Harris is when he yeah. gets this kind of grandpa, <laughs> grandpa Steve I, Harris that he's been doing. I like this, uh, I like this, uh, uh, this section yeah, a lot. Good, good, good. Uh, grandpa Steve Harris, who becomes very blödig. And uh, there's no good English word as good as the Swedish word blödig. Sappy, sappy you could say. Yeah, but blödig sounds cooler or maybe more yeah. direct. But yeah, sappy or like um, nostalgic or uh, protective even, you know. Mm-hmm. And a lot of his later lyrics are about, you know, uh, all, all, everyone I love, my family, you know. Fate could swipe them away in a day, you know. Something bad could happen. And it's just kind of, it's almost the polar opposite of the story of uh, ambushing a woman, <laughs> killing her, you know. Uh, which song was that? Like uh, Blood Brothers, for example, oh, yeah. uh, uh, among others, uh, Age of Innocence has a similar vibe, like this Grandpa Harris, that he's, he's mm. looking after the grandchildren. And it's mm. a very thin line between love and hate, also has that kind mm. of uh, grandfather perspective on things. So he, he really <laughs> moved a long way, but it's all Steve, right? Uh, I, I don't know what my favorite is. I like all three. I like all three. I like the ambushing women as well part. <laughs> you know, it's, it's yeah, it, uh, yeah, totally. I was thinking about the twenty-two Acacia Avenue. Who did he write that lyric as well? Yeah, it's a Steve lyric, uh, and a song uh, from from the seventies from from Adrian. Okay, okay. 
You didn't um, particularly like that one, right? It wasn't your favorite. I, I like uh, it a lot. Nah. I, I don't know. I was just kind of reading the lyrics. So it's <laughs> no, they're not great. Like uh, <laughs> They're written from a perspective of someone that never been to a brothel as well. So it's like okay. guessing. How, this is probably how it would be in a brothel. <laughs> well, that's the vibe that's I get all. from it. But the, the riff when it comes in is, I like it, it's quite metal shuggling there. <laughs> Now a place where we can go, go, go. Da, 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 da. And, and so forth, you know. And it's, it's pretty cool. It's quite 70s. 70s hard rock, you know. Really hard-edged, but not... It's kind of metal just by the sound of it. I think uh, yep. the guitar sound on Number of the Beast, I could address that. Because I think it's yes. so cool. <laughs> I love that guitar sound. I think it's... One of the best guitar sounds that I've ever heard. It's not hard rock even. It's like a metal sound, you know. Mm. And early on at that, you know, uh, Kill 'Em All was not out yet. Uh, neither was Show No Mercy. So like really it's kind of a state-of-the-art metal tone, I think, on that album. Uh, and Number of the Beast, the song, um, can you play a, a bit from that? Uh, do do yeah. you know uh, the other parts? Yeah, I know some other parts too. Like you have, I've featured the intro already. The five-four thing, okay. yeah. and then uh, you have the. Yeah, that's how it ends. But when it carries on, it goes <laughs> into this punkish, punkish verse in normal four-four, like. Uh, And then the yeah. chorus is very brief, and with these ACDC chords, uh, it's very nice. Like, a... ACDC chords, and then a very cool uh, charge up. I think uh, Maiden has to be credited oh, yeah. for this when you kind of you have a song. It's a good song, but it needs to go somewhere. And that's when this riff comes in. Ah, it's so good. And then like one of the best solos oh, in yeah. metal, so, I have to say. Especially Adrian's, which is leaning heavily on that hard rock, uh, bluesy yeah. type note. They're, they are fairly bluesy guitar players, we could add, even though Gain of Riffs is not a guitar show, but of course we are a riff show, and guitar is the main riff instrument, right? So we could discuss a little bit uh, the approach to the guitar in Our Maiden. And these guys love blues. They love American bands like Free. They were fans of 38 Special, I think, as well. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wanted actually. I was I was just thinking about that. Uh, I didn't know when to to bring it in, but in this in this song, that make uh, that. Uh... And uh, so good. Uh, now just to test your uh, new Iron Maiden skills, who wrote those riffs? Uh, Adrian Smith. Correct, yeah. 
You're getting yeah. you're getting in there now. Yeah, you're you're hearing the <laughs> difference because he is the guy that doing these stretch type chords, right? Like, uh, and I love that. You know, I used as an intro for getting for riffs when we just started out. I used a similar kind of you know. I love the tension that builds when you do these stretched uh, power chords. Yeah. You mentioned the 38 special also there with um, yeah. 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 You <laughs> see it all around you. A good loving gone bad. Yeah, love that song. Uh, it's one of my yeah. favorite songs on this planet. <laughs> yeah, but then you have like like in the you know like uh, his eyes are ablaze. See the madman in his gaze. Yeah, fly on your wings like an eagle. Yeah, I mean that's oof, that's a killer song. I mean that's <laughs> the yeah. the chorus there, the the note, the tone that he hits, the note that he hits. Wow. Yeah, so great good. solos, and then at the very end, uh, Bruce brings out this money note. You know, fly as high as the sun. <laughs> yeah, you know how could you not love uh, that? And uh, that was do. also a debate within the band uh, that uh, Nico and Steve wanted to play it way faster. And uh, they kind mm. of had this uh, mascopy. What's that word in English? Like uh, secret. Well, they they, w- they they kind of uh, ganged up. They tried to yeah. gang up on Bruce secretly, and, uh, and they were like, yeah. "Yeah," because Maiden famously don't play to click tracks very often. So they mm. they kind of ganged up secretly and like, "Yeah, let's play it faster." And then they, they got through like uh, eight bars before Steve, uh, the, the writers of the song, uh, Smith and Dickinson, stopped. And like, what's going on? This is not the song. <laughs> and on live after death, it is admittedly faster, uh, which yeah. works. It works. But I like that they uh, yeah. wanted to go for a mid-tempo. And I hear so much it is. Dio. There's a lot of Dio in that song. Bruce even does like, mm-hmm. mm, you know, uh, the Dio mic check, if you will. Yeah. I was thinking about mid, mid, uh, uh, mid-tempo uh, riffage. And uh, maybe actually Adrian Smith seems like the mid-tempo guy. For sure. The more classic rock uh, character. Yeah, he calls himself a stickler for tempo. And I'm similar, <laughs> actually. I'm similar. I don't like to play too fast. Like the Metallica cover band I have now, I'm always the guy telling the others, like, couldn't we just play it in the album tempo? <laughs> Why do we have to do this ridiculously fast live tempo? It... it uh, Shokes the life out of the song sometimes, yep. as Smith said yep. himself. And I really agree. I'm that kind of guy. I mean, if I see a band and they play a bit too slow, I deem them professionals. But if I see a band that is always rushing, I deem them amateurs, you know. It's, yeah. it's just how my musical brain works. But I think, I think there's something to, to that. Uh, but I mean, what do you think on this? Uh, if you start a song too fast... Is it okay to stop it and then, uh, I mean, li- live and stop it <laughs> and then start over slower? <laughs> like Phil Anselmo with uh, the illegals, right? When they play Pantera songs. 
Oh, yeah. I addressed that way back in episode two or maybe in the down episode. I don't remember. Probably in episode two. And uh, yeah, in that case, I was still like on Phil's side. It's like, yeah, play it in the right tempo, guys. And I think he's so used to playing these songs with Vinny and with uh, Dimebag, right? And with Rex. So for him, it probably feels way iffy, like completely wrong if it's slightly too fast mm. or too slow. And uh, yeah, tempo is really, tempo is kind of everything, in my opinion. I've really like, uh, uh, during the progress of playing guitar, listening to music and writing music, I've become more and more like a, a fanatic of uh, the correct tempo and finding mm. the right tempo. Before I wrote a song and I was like, okay, it's probably 160, it's probably 180 or 105. And I wouldn't change it. That would be the tempo. But these days, I I go back and forth, like in between half temp, half beats. Sometimes, like is one hundred five point five the right tempo, or is one hundred two <laughs> versus one hundred four? You know, probably not so much half, but it's just to overstate the example, really. But yep. uh, but like two BPM difference, it's a difference. I'm telling you, Ulle. I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm telling dear listeners, <laughs> it's definitely a difference. But I think uh, you're also good in. Uh, and not over-speeding uh, or uh, sacrificing the pulse of the song. Uh, I think the yeah. pulse is incredibly important in rock music. Mm. Um, I'd like to bring out like a bit of uh, coming out of left field. I'm not sure. I, I was expecting you kind of to bring this riff out, mm -hmm. uh, but I kind of I swapped uh, instruments. I'm now on a acoustic, Ooh, which, you, as you know, I enjoy. Uh, a lot and um, I just picked up it like years ago this version of this song that was uh, mm -hmm. someone made a it was a cover of uh, Iron Maiden song right. it was done live on radio do you know the which one I mean I'm thinking Ryan Adams his version of uh, Wasted Years Oof. the coast of gold Across the seven seas I'm traveling on Far and wide But now it seems I'm just a stranger to myself And all the things I sometimes do It isn't me but someone else I close my eyes And I think of home Another city goes by in the night Ain't it funny how it is You never miss it till it's gone away And my heart is lying there And will be till my dying day So understand don't waste your time always searching for those wasted years Phase up, make your stand Realize you're living in the golden years Too much time on my hands, I got you on my mind Can ease this pain so easily when you can't find the words to say it's hard to make it through another day and it makes me want to cry and throw my hands up to the sky so 
understand Waste your time always searching for those wasted years Phase up and make your stand Realize you're living in the golden year uh. ding, 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 ding. Awesome, awesome I sent that out to quite a few people Like the other month or so When I discovered this I think I heard it before But when I rediscovered it mm. I didn't send it to you of course Because I didn't want to set you off on any other direction than the Ulla direction for this episode. But uh, that was great. I mean, uh, it's a, such a song and uh, it's super heartfelt. It's to the point yeah. of being like this uh, motivational, uh, uh, what's the word, um, uh, collage, you know, uh, mm. training collage of an 80s film or something. But it's so good, and and uh, the version, this stripped down version, which I really enjoyed your take on, by the way, good work there. Mm, uh, thank like, you. Uh, because the guy that does the original is he's super good, uh, super yeah. good singer. So you you put on you put yourself on quite a task there, but I think you managed to do it all style, which I like. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, what someone said when they heard that song is their words, not mine. But I fully agree is that when you have it presented that way, you feel like the the soul of the song. Uh, mm. the, the actual components of the composition aside from all the shit ass cool laser guitars <laughs> that our maiden are using but here when you pull it down like that it's just such a heartfelt song and and uh, again I'm not even the, the author of this is a friend of mine but he said that that song is a letter from Adrian Smith to Adrian Smith and it's written from the, it's written from the perspective yeah, right? it's like written it. from the perspective of Adrian Smith 20 years later telling adrian smith like you know of course you're feeling down now you've been like touring excessively and you miss your girlfriend you miss your life kind of you don't even feel at home another city goes by in the night and so forth and but then the, mm. the chorus comes it's a sad song but the chorus has an optimistic uh, message from adrian yeah. smith again <laughs> to adrian smith and uh, i have the 12 inch single of this uh, wasted years mm. And that's also fun, strange trivia that there's a time machine on, on the sleeve illustration. And it shows year of origin, 1986, that's the year. And then it's like target year, 2050, you know, future, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. it also says current year, 1999, which is the year Adrian mm. Smith rejoined Iron Maiden. Mm. Whoa, mm. conspiracy time. Right, right. Conspiracy time. But again, and, yeah, and there is, uh, yeah, there, there is a quality. Uh, I think that comes out in this uh, version, but I think it's also in the original, um, where uh, Ryan Adams, uh, as he's called, uh, he he really he really finds, like I said, the the soul of the and of the song, and he makes this version that he only ever played in in the radio. Uh, uh, set a uh, radio yeah. show setting yeah. in like Dubrovnik or something, and oh, of course, it ends with this uh, radio host. That's a good version. <laughs> so well, it, it, is. Like, this it is. destroys everything. Yeah. Ah. Um, yeah. But he 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 picks out like one of the, the the most important chord maybe in the song is the D sus two, 
Mm-hmm. Sounds like this. Su- suspended chord and suspended chord. Yeah, it implies that there is a, like a fall. Another chord should um, uh, resolve it. Sort of. Yes, but in, with an extra, like it, it can be. Uh, you know, like it, it has this task, maybe. But if you, if you, uh, which a lot of songwriters have done, if you use this as, um, uh, like, to to enhance uh, the whole song, like you make the whole song suspended, you know, like you, yeah. you're like an, in anticipation for what's going on, and but and there is a a certain uh, like the the big chorus. It also has the suspended chord, but it kind of resolves in another way yeah uh like it you know like this uh uh i can do the whole thing but, uh, so understand don't waste your time always searching for those wasted years yeah it's still kind of suspended all the way through but it, there is some kind of resolution though but i think it it really works in this version and yeah. what makes it so so nice but um this the yeah, vibration well, it, in these suspended chords even the uh, the stretched power chords that we addressed before like the mm. this one oh, yeah. clearly leads somewhere right and adrian is all about those colorings whereas uh, steve harris writes everything fairly uh rectangular shaped or maybe yeah. angular as you would say uh, adrian has always he's a more of a mental songwriter in a way that is very much like uh, the, the the music tells a story he did write the lyrics for this song normally he puts that on bruce uh, sometimes yeah. steve but uh, here they were worn out and this is also a song about being worn out in a way you know um, like a touring song I hate those songs sometimes you know I like Turn the Page Bob Seger is pretty cool but many of them are just like you know the hard road blah 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 but uh, in uh, in Wasted Years it's so heartfelt it's like uh, mm. I've uh, I think I cried to that song at least mm. half a dozen times something yeah. like that I didn't cry when I smashed my face up completely because that wasn't really uh, didn't provoke much emotion in me. <laughs> it was just painful. <laughs> but, yeah. but when I hear these type these songs, you know, it's just I think he hits a nerve uh, for sure. And it's definitely a celebrated Maiden song. Our old band colleague Antonio from the Barbus mm. days is uh, he hates Maiden. He really doesn't like it. But he came in to me one day on the messenger and said, like, I discovered this, uh, wasted years. You know, I mm. love that song. So maybe it has a <laughs> transcendental quality that is maybe not in every maiden song or what would you say well yeah no but i, I think so i was already like heading toward I, w- I, w- I kept it a little bit when, when we, you started talking about but then we were in the middle of um the existential steve harris with the child like you know with the child i mean there, there really is a difference i mean if you go now we kind of really i and i kind of understood it now when we started talking about it because okay it sounds like maiden but I think there is a tension between, and before I, before earlier in this show when I was like uh, I was a bit like a maiden virgin, but now I'm like I'm, I, I realized some stuff now from talking about it for three hours. No, yeah, but, but there is the te- it's a very important tension between the different songwriters, and I think we 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 have discussed it the whole episode. But it's really right now that I 
understand it. Like Adrian mm-hmm. Smith is the rock guy who does the suspended chords and is a bit sure. more, you know, he may seem laid back, but there is like a, a tension within him, you know, like a seriousness. Yeah. And uh, Steve is kind of searching for what is actually, what is actually interesting. What is, what is my thing? You know, is it this uh, writing songs mm-hmm. about women getting uh, attacked, or is it about being scared of the dark? And and Bruce, you know, he has uh, he's on another plane. He he's like, yeah. you know, he he's he drops every reference he can find. Yeah. You know, he, it's a bit more, he's chaotic, but also more. Um, how can you say? Uh, advanced i wouldn't say but uh, in a way yeah he's, he's more, kind of everywhere he's you know he's kind of all over the place and i think uh, if you were talking about having a beer in a bar i think it'd be more fun to have a beer with uh, bruce than with steve steve like when when mm. they ask his kids to describe their dad they're all like yeah he's super shy you know <laughs> he's a pretty <laughs> shy guy and famously in interviews he says nothing he's like yeah this and that and bits and bobs and whatever really you know yeah <laughs> nothing really mm. comes out of him uh, where Bruce is much more presidential, I guess, in his in his uh, demeanor, and more all over the place. Steve is more of a classic nerd, I would say, and then Adrian is this contemplative, slightly depressed, very endearing character. You know, yeah. uh, it's nice. There's something nice with a guy that is in a, the peak of his career and he's feeling depressed, and he's not in a self. Uh, He's not celebrating himself in a way that I can think some 90s depressed guys did. You know, they kind of made an image of it. He rather tried to keep it out of Maiden, but the fact was that he was rather depressed for many years during Mm. the best uh, part of their career. And it comes out in a song like Wasted Years and comes out in a a way that is very relatable to many people. You don't even know to know English, I think. (laughs) No, you can have very Uh, bad English and still get it. I was I was gonna ask if you can uh, uh, play the electrified riff, the intro uh, lead. Yeah, we, I had the same request when I did um, the bonus segment, and I always have to say that I've played it before in game riffs in like episode one or something. Yeah. Uh, when you were thinking about Thunderstruck, you know, <laughs> this pull off things, and the problem with playing Wasted Years is that it's uh, with these light strings you don't really get a bounce back. You get very little recoil from your pick. So it's hard to Ooh. play it in the right tempo. And when uh, when Maiden does it, they usually creep up into the tempo. Another perk of not using click tracks. that He starts a bit slower and then works his way up to the song tempo. But it is this uh, classic pull-off riff and of course we have to feature it. I mean, it's, it's one of the standout Maiden riffs, really. <laughs> But yeah, it's, it's a struggle to play it uh, because when you play this tempo on, a, on the low E string, it's no problem. You get the recoil, you get the touch, mm-hmm. but playing it on the lighter yeah. strings and riffing on it, because it's really a riff. It's not really a lead or melody. This is a riff, but on the lightest string. And uh, yeah, it's again something he probably fiddled with, you know, warming mm-hmm. up, like a warm-up exercise type thing. And then the fact that he managed to incorporate it into that pop song it kind of baffles me still. 
I don't think I would make such connection if I had written the, let's say I had written the chord structure and the lyrics for Wasted Years, and I also had written that riff. I don't think I would have seen a world where they so seamlessly combine. No, right? It's uh, but but I was I noticed something when I was going through um, Power Slave, especially I was listening to Lost for Words, Bigora. Mm. There is the, the the you can find uh, the intro riff to Wasted Years in that song. Yeah, yeah, with the pull off part. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, almost like verbatim, uh, almost exactly yeah. the same. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, which is pretty cool, but I, I guess he's playing it. Must be. Yeah, probably. And it's, I mean, it's not really an, an original idea. It's just I think it's that song is all about the actually about the composition, mm. the combination of. The, I mean, the the individual parts, none of them really stand out as anything unique. This is yep. a pull off riff on E minor, completely clean E minor on on the E string. So it's a very low level of. Uh, musical theory applied to write such a riff. And then the song is also fairly chord-based, standard uh, rock song, right? Yeah. Uh, but somehow in the composition, in the way he puts it together, and this uh, laser riff, as I like to call it, the main riff, is featured three times. It's the intro, it's the pre-solo, and it's the outro. Mm. So the song is still like a little bit lengthy, five minutes plus, and definitely it's a Maiden song. Yeah. Even though there are no other Maiden songs that sound like Wasted Years. No, but I, I wonder if the it's one of the few... I, I don't know many other uh, acoustic versions of uh, Maiden songs that really work, because but this one has that quality, that it, it's really, really yeah. worked. It works as a acoustic ballad. But it's strange that, they, that uh, they don't do that themselves sometimes, like pull out the acoustic, or maybe I just missed yeah. that, that they had like an acoustic set at some point, but it doesn't feel uh, like they would do that. They don't do much of that, and they don't have many songs with acoustic uh, spine to them. It's just uh, Journeyman mm. and uh, Purg- uh, Prodigal Son. That's pretty much it. Maybe 2 a.m., but that's a boring song. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's not great. Okay. But uh, <laughs> top three Maiden covers. Uh, this one is my number one, I think. I think it's just, it really, really showcases the brilliance of the composition in Wasted mm. Years and the, the the raw emotion and the... Uh, there's nothing in Wasted Years that seems after-fixed. Fingerat, mm. as we say in Swedish. Yeah. It has this honest, and I think um, Adams really picked that up. And I think also, actually, another acoustic that works really well is Hell Songs, Run to the Hills. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's a classic. That, that was a long, time, uh, a long time ago I heard it, but they did all these acoustic versions of uh, uh, heavy metal songs. Kind of on the Brun sound, you know, this kind of indie... Singer-songwriter yeah. uh, touch, uh, production, and performance applied to Run to the Hills. And I think, uh, you know, me as a bona fide Maiden fan since so many years, most of my life, I prefer the version of Hellsong's version to the Iron Maiden version <laughs> of Run to the Hills. But that said, I, of course, I have to feature a riff from that one too. Uh, right? Yeah, 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 I know which one. They fought him well out on the plains. They gave them hell. 
Yeah. But I don't know the acoustic version, but they kind of, I think they've switched keys for it. So it sounds a bit like Alphaville made in Japan when they play it. Uh, no, big in Japan. Like. They, they make it darker, you know. They get closer to the uh, actually quite painful message that the song comes bearing. Mm. And uh, for being, uh, yeah, they are nationalists. I would say they are super British, but they've made uh, more than two songs about uh, the Brits committing uh, global crime. You know, they, you have Run to the Hills and you have uh, The Clansman. Yeah. Both but of them are about the Brits bullying uh, uh, free men, basically. Yeah. I have just there is a standout part that is so fucking good in, uh, uh, and I haven't really played this one. I'm just gonna try. All right. Yeah, another shard chop, right? It's a kind of a cousin to the uh, in number of the beast. Uh, yeah. Yes, that kind of just it just charges it up, and I think a lot of mod, more modern metal bands have missed this a little bit. That mm. uh, metal songs they can't just be binary like on off. You have to have these transitional uh, periods in, oh, your, for sure. in your songs to make sure. them flow. And I think Metallica are really good at this too, even though they have more of a maybe. They're a little bit more um, harsh in the in the dynamics, but and of course Black Sabbath, they're really kings of this. But uh, I think that's the best part of Run to the Hills too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and just how you charge that up before the last chorus. And that's a good song, but I mean, it's not often that I listen to Run to the Hills, and probably uh, no, not you either. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> but that part is really good. And it's a short song. I mean, why not listen yeah. to that? If you're going to listen to Number of the Beast, the song, I mean, why not listen to uh, Run to the yeah. while you're at it? No, it fits brilliantly. It fits brilliantly on the album, I think. Like uh, the second song on the B-side or A-side, if you listen like Nicke Andersson and also me <laughs> these days, you know, it's a good uh, follow-up to, to the title track. So yeah, we touched on a shit ton of Maiden already. Uh, I'm wondering if there's some un uncharted territories as far as this episode goes uh, Dave Murray riffs I don't know too many of them he writes very little for the band he writes about one song per two albums and then at some points he has been stepping up to write more and he's always been this kind of Hawaii guy you know but uh, I think it's explained by his very rough childhood he had like this mm. drunk dad on welfare his mom was a cleaner and they couldn't stay in an apartment so they moved around and in every new class he was in, he was bullied because he was the new kid, like the weird kid. And then, you know, it's kind of a, a beautiful success story that he just happened to become the guitarist in Our Maiden and also one of the less working guys in the band. He's kind of having, he's having the ball, really, because he's not writing a lot. He's just relaxing, golfing and living on Hawaii, you know, not too far off from Kirk Hammett's house. Okay. They're 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 smoking the best weed in the universe together. Maybe as <laughs> a great interview from from the Seventh Son promotion when uh, he's 15 minutes late to a TV interview and okay. he just steps in there with a smile, you know, 
Uh, I used to be late quite a lot, so I know how it can be that you feel the shame oh, yeah. of being late. And Steve Harris looks like, at him like my boss would look at me, uh, you know, 15 years back. Like absolutely mm, raging. Like, what the <laughs> fuck are you doing? And he just sits down. And the first thing he talks about in the interview is like, hey, you know, it's great to also have vacation now and then. You've got to think about vacation, you know, a little bit of R&R. <laughs> so he has this, he's the soft guy, you know, in the, in the band. And definitely a bit of a party guy and, and womanizer as well back in the day. But uh, Dave Murray is kind of the guy you want to be in Maiden because he's never, he's never scrutinized, you know. He's never really plucked apart or anything. He's just there. Uh, well, I mean, enjoying. It, I guess I mean, his, his, like, uh, when, when, when he had to fight was in the beginning when they were kind of going through the, all these lineup changes. Yeah, and it felt when like they were young. When you read about that... Yeah, but I mean, he went through that early, so he didn't like he had enough of the drama. I mean, then yeah. he just sticked with Steve Harris and was like happy with it, you know? Like, he, he under, yeah. for sure understood like what they had was gold, you know, it's gonna be gold. Yeah, that's what I feel. And then, I mean, uh, coming to um, a disagreement or a schism over women in your early 20s, that's standard. Even you and I did that at <laughs> one point, you know? So that happens, you know, it's part of, of how life works. I think uh, as, as he got older, uh, uh, probably uh, all of that was in the past, you know. And I feel like he's probably a very, very happy guy, you know. That's the vibe I get. And then he has this constantly smiling face, which could be deceiving, I guess. But I mean, still, like uh, Adrian is my favorite in the band, but I would be Dave. I would want to be Dave, you know, just relaxing. Yeah. Lifelong vacation. A lot of golf. <laughs> He, yeah. <laughs> he now looks like a grandmother when he's golfing. Like there's very little testosterone coming from him golfing compared to him on Live at the Rainbow 1980 with the white leather vest and headbanging. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, I don't know, maybe it's time to um, kind of approach the end. I mean, not exactly there yet, but I'm looking here, I'm looking at the recording time and... <laughs> It's nearing three and a half it's hours. A three hours. <laughs> it's quite long. Yeah. I mean, but <laughs> three when, and a half. when we do specials, we do specials, right? Uh, like exactly, kind of the exactly. idea of doing a special is to not have to do it in 45 minutes. Like uh, imagine trying to cram all this maiden talk into, into that format. Uh, like this is me awesome. not even having prepared any maiden talk. But uh, No, me, me again, neither. I, I addressed it before. Like I'm a bit, being a bit meta now, but I addressed it before that... Uh, I think you really um, rose to this occasion. Like you didn't, you could have done the second fiddle because I am so obsessed with this band. So you could have just asked questions, maybe play a, some riff or something, yeah. and uh, be a little bit backseat driving. But you said to me uh, the other week that you can't do that with Maiden. You can't have a passive approach. <laughs> you got to be active. Yeah, I mean, I can't. It's too 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 pronged answer. I mean, I can't have. I, f I feel I can't have a passive approach to to gain it for riffs either but especially sure. when when i approach when i started to like look at the maiden songs like we we tried a, a strange thing at the at first where we were gonna do like the dual harmonies thing like you would record it yeah. and send it to me and i would put my own it just didn't work it was really difficult it was like the <laughs> worst place to start um yeah. and then it kind of took so it took a while before i like okay when I made an I started and I found the, like the wrong songs. But then I think let's see which which was the like the first song where it really like clicked. Um 
And maybe it, yeah, it, it, it was um, actually this uh, could be, I mean, and, and I didn't really practice this so much afterwards, but I, I think we have to like uh, at least talk about Hallowed Be Thy Name, like the riff fest true. that is the like, ultimate Iron Maiden song. Yeah, I usually call it the ultimate utilization of the E minor scale. <laughs> So many riffs in this song, it's crazy. Yeah, all the leads again, like. Uh... It's, it's cool stuff, and it's a very, very simple song, really. It's not an advanced or, or a very complex song. It's very basic, it's very dramatic, and uh, one of my first, uh, obviously, one of my first uh, uh, obsessions with this band was Hello Be That Name. Because it's a song that you yeah. can easily obsess over, I think. And in a similar fashion to Wasted Years, it has this uh, very honest and straightforward approach in the lyrics. It's really just this portrait of this man getting executed and uh, the thoughts that are flying through his head during his last hour. Yeah, It's a tight concept. Yeah. And a great live song. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm like... Uh... I think I've, for 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 once it feels like I'm gonna continue to learn uh, Iron Maiden songs after this uh, special because normally I'm like um, you know like tired of the band at that yeah. point, but I felt it was so much fun to approach it, and I went to way more songs than I thought uh, that I would do. Yeah. And like you say, I can't really play it half-ass when it comes to Maiden. Uh, I have to do a full-on gain it for riffs approach. Yeah. Uh, gain it for riffs uh, approach. Otherwise, it's not worth doing. I think. Yeah, I mean, Steve Harris is a proactive guy. <laughs> he's not. Uh, he's not a backseat guy. You know, neither is uh, Bruce or even Rod Smallwood. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I mean, other clever uses of E minor in this song. You know, you have the. Uh, how is it? That arpeggio just just goes on top yeah. of these uh, classic power chords like. Someday in the future, maybe we can be in the same country and maybe in the same um, uh, studio. studio rehearsal space, and we would play. We could play some Iron Maiden. That would be amazing. Yeah. That, that, that's a life goal, right here. I'm saying it. I'm putting it down. We have to do that, John. We yeah, really definitely. have to. And some of the harmonies, because harmonies, they're not too fun to do one at a time over the <laughs> internet. It's yeah, all no. about the interplay, right? Yeah. And uh, that's such a part of the band. So maybe we could do like this add-on episode later where. 
uh, whenever it's possible, uh, where we do a bit of the harmonies, because again, Maiden is maybe more famous for melodies, harmonies and harmonization than riffs. Mm -hmm. But I yeah. think we proved today that uh, there's definitely riff work in this band. Yeah. Like we, we featured some fat riffs. Definitely. And definitely. now I look forward to doing uh, non-metal stuff. You know, we could do some non-metal stuff coming up now because I really like, I've done Metallica, I've done Maiden. Maybe I'd like to yeah. do more Sabbath, but I can't wait. So for me, I'm, I'm looking forward to maybe digging up something very non-metal. I, I, I definitely have some of that uh, in the pipeline, but I also have something extremely metal <laughs> coming up. <too. laughs> yeah, um, uh, yeah, but hey, dear listener, thanks for sticking around with us. Uh, we just passed the four-hour mark. Uh, <laughs> we, have, we had a lot of fun, right? Uh, yeah. thank you for joining us so much and uh, if you like what you heard give us a um, thumbs up wherever you see our name pop up or go into whatever and give us a 5 star re review who knows where that might lead to um, yeah. in the future alright guys keep on riffing uh, see you next time over and up out. the irons bye bye